Hello, my name's Gary and this is episode 33 of EV Musings, a podcast about electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On today's show, we'll be talking about the narrative. This is the fossil fuel created story that governs many people's views of EVs versus internal combustion engine cars. Before we get started, I want to say that it's just me this week. Simon's off for a couple of weeks and I'm manning the show all by myself. The good news is that it'll be easy for me to edit as I won't have to take all the ers and ums out. I hope, <laughs> well, I, I don't, uh, um, um, but the, um, yeah, so I'm, um, I, I... The bad news is, it's just my dulcet tones as you listen to me wherever you listen. Apologies if I'm putting you off your lunch or similar. Our feature topic today is internal combustion engines and the fossil fuel narrative. We're not looking at ICE vehicles themselves, but the whole area of why some people feel that ICE vehicles are superior to EVs and the arguments they put up to try and defend this point of view. We'll circle around at the end and talk about the narrative that fossil fuels have ingrained into our lives and how that needs to change. But I want to start with a pop quiz. Name me one car from Mercedes, one car from Vauxhall and one car from VW with a petrol diesel range less than 250 miles. I bet you think there aren't any, right? We'll come back to this later. How many times have you heard someone say something derogatory about an EV and thought to yourself, but that also applies to internal combustion engine cars too? Typical examples are, well, cold weather reduces the range. Hills and wind reduce the range. Fill in the blank reduces the range. The number of times I've heard people say, it'll do 100 miles, but only if you don't turn the heating on. Once you do that, the range just drains away. There seems to be this misapprehension going around about EVs to do with things that will affect the range. But what people don't realise is that exactly the same thing occurs for an ICE car. Let me give you some examples. In cold weather, your EV will have higher energy consumption, but so will an ICE car. I had a colleague at work many years ago who used to log every tank of fuel they put into his car to work out the efficiency of the engine. He grafted over a 10-year period and there was a quite distinct peak and trough shape as the miles per gallon figure dipped over the colder months and peaked over the warmer months. I get ballpark 103 miles from my 30 kilowatt hour Kia Soul in winter. In the peak of summer, that's up to around 130 miles. Changes to the battery chemistry are one factor, but it's also because I don't have to run with the heater on in summer. On the subject of heating, or in this case, HVAC, Whenever you turn this on in your EV, your range will be depleted, but the exact same thing happens in an ICE car. Energy from the engine has to go into powering the air conditioning, and this detracts from moving the car forward, thereby reducing your effective range. It makes no difference whether it's powered by petrol, diesel, hydrogen, or electricity. All vehicles suffer from this. As an aside, one of the reasons airlines were more than happy to ban smoking on their flights was because the air conditioning and filtration system had to work quite hard to scrub the smoke from the air. Once it was banned, the workload lightened, and this in turn improved their fuel efficiency and cut fuel costs. What about going uphill? If you're climbing a hill in an EV, and it's a particularly long hill, you can actually see the miles dropping on the gob. A colleague of mine was battling headwinds while climbing a road in the Brecon Beacons in his 40 kilowatt hour leaf last year. When he got to the top, his range had almost halved. Now, obviously, this is an extreme example, but the same thing happens in an ice vehicle. Having to push forward against headwinds and carry the weight of a car uphill will sap the power and therefore the range on any vehicle. EVs, however, have an advantage with hills, which we'll come to in a minute. 
Let's talk acceleration. In an EV, accelerating is great. 100% torque from the motor, immediately. No torque curve, no turbo lag, nothing. It's like a switch, but it has an impact on consumption. The more you accelerate, the more power you're drawing from the battery and the shorter your charge will last. Surprisingly enough, ICE cars are the exact opposite. Accelerate as much as you want and the car will go further with... Yeah, no, gotcha, only kidding. Of course, hard acceleration affects an ICE car as well. Why wouldn't it? Let's talk about towing things. Anyone who's watched uh, Tesla Bjorn's channel, uh, Bjorn Island in, in Norway, when he used to do the Nimba tasks up to Trondheim, you will know that once you add a trailer onto an EV, it ruins the efficiency of the motor and it affects the range. It's all down to the aerodynamics and how much power the motor needs to push the car through the air. A similar thing happens with anything you do to affect the airflow. I asked a friend of the podcast, Mike Stanton, what affects the ladders he carries on top of his ENV 200 van has. And he told me at non-urban speed, so, you know, up above 40 miles an hour, 45 miles an hour, the roof rack and ladders can reduce the range by upwards of 15%. Just having the roof rack itself can account for a 10% reduction. Surprisingly enough, your miles per gallon will suffer in an ice car when towing a caravan or a trailer or anything with a roof. My next door neighbour took his Porsche Macon to France last summer. He had three bikes on the roof alongside a chunky container thing which sat on the tow hitch. He averaged about 18 miles per gallon throughout the journey at motorway speeds. And the fact is that everything that will cause an EV to lose range will also cause an internal combustion engine vehicle to lose range. The key difference is that most ICE vehicles don't have a big number in the middle of the dashboard telling you how much further you can drive before you run out of energy. Although, of course, some of them do. But there are advantages that an EV has when compared with a fossil fuel car. So let's take a look at these. Remember when we talked about the hills sapping a battery's range earlier on? Well, with an EV, you get this fantastic thing called engine regeneration or regen. It's not some Doctor Who style self-healing property, but it takes advantage of a law of physics related to the conservation of energy. If you're at the top of the hill and you start to descend in an EV, the fact that the wheels are turning without being driven by the motor itself will cause the motor to start recharging the battery. It is entirely possible to start at the top of the hill with 50 miles on your GOM, travel 10 miles down the hill and end up with 58 or 59 miles on the GOM. And that never, ever happens in an ICE car. Even if you freewheel all the way to the bottom in a nice car, you'll still use petrol as the engine idles. On the subject of idling, how many of you have been stuck in traffic on a Friday night trying to get home from work? Eh, two, three, four, yeah, quite a few of you. If you're doing that in your ICE vehicle, you're still using petrol. You're still reducing the range. If you have a car with a stop-start engine, you will, of course, use less than one without, but you'll also sap the energy in the 12-volt battery each time you crank the engine over to restart it. Plus, you'll be kicking harmful particulates out into the air. In an EV, you can sit for hours on the motorway without having to worry about sapping the battery energy. If it's cold and you have the heating on, there will be some drain, but it's constant and manageable. You'll also get the added advantage that your vehicle is more efficient at the slower speed and will do the same distance with less energy usage. I was stuck on the M25 recently going home. When I left work, the GOM said I would arrive home with 26 miles. I actually arrived home with 31 miles left. It was all due to the higher efficiency at the lower speed in traffic. Talking of particulates, there's one big advantage that EV owners have over ICE cars, and that's the preheating ability. You can set your car to heat up or cool down before you get into it. 
All this is done with no particulate matter being thrown into the atmosphere. This means you can do it if the car is parked in a garage or nearby where children or vulnerable adults are present. You can't do that in an ice car. In fact, one of the great pleasures of owning an EV is watching ice vehicle owners scraping their windows on an icy morning while you climb into a completely warm and defrosted car. Or they have to get out, start the car, lock it, come back in and sit in the house for 10 minutes while it warms up, kicking poisonous fumes and greenhouse gases out into the atmosphere while they do. Every minute, an idling fossil fuel car produces enough exhaust emissions to fill 150 balloons with harmful chemicals including cyanide, nitrous oxide and PM2.5 particulate matter. Some countries in Europe have banned this practice and the UK is currently consulting on a law to implement a similar ban. There is only one way in which an internal combustion engine car is, quotes, more convenient than an EV. And that is in the ability to go from completely empty to completely full in under five minutes. But of course, that comes with a price attached. We've said this before, but I'll say it again. If I told you that your new iPhone had a battery that lasted two weeks, but you had to go to an Apple store and pay £50 to recharge it, you'd say I was crazy. But that's exactly the fossil fuel model. I'm more than happy to plug in overnight or when I'm doing something else such as shopping or watching a movie without having to visit a petrol station specifically. I was chatting at a recent EV meet with a couple of the attendees and it occurred to me that one way we can influence the adoption of EVs is by changing the narrative around them to be more focused on the EV way of doing things and less on the old fossil fuel way. Let me explain. Ice vehicles have over a hundred years of setting the narrative for how they operate. And this narrative is very simple but insidious. It goes like this. You get your fuel only from a petrol station. You make a special trip to fill up. It takes a few minutes and the price is determined on an almost daily basis by a cartel of individuals in a foreign land. Because we've been doing this for a hundred years or more, nobody questions it. In fact, it's so ingrained in the public psyche that when an alternate model comes along, everyone's quick to dismiss it. And that's why hydrogen appears to be so appealing to a number of people. It falls very much into the established narrative for cars. You run your vehicle, you go to a special refueling station when needed, you refill your car in a minimal amount of time for a large price, which is determined by an unseen cartel in a foreign country. But if you think about it, this narrative's absolutely false. If we were to reveal this narrative for what it is, a brainwashing of the population, everything else about EVs would fall into place easily. Let's take some examples. Our old favourite range anxiety. The perceived issue with range anxiety is that a car will run out of battery charge and leave somebody stranded because the batteries aren't big enough. But we know from data that hundreds of people run out of petrol every day across the UK and thousands worldwide. This doesn't seem to be an issue for them with fossil fuels, so why is it with electric? Also, there are numerous fossil fuel vehicles on the road with ranges much, much less than this mythical 300 mile range that people seem to want for their EVs. Which brings us back to the pop quiz from earlier. Remember when I asked, name me one car from Mercedes, one car from Vauxhall and one car from VW with a petrol diesel range less than 250 miles? Well, the top of the range Mercedes Maybach will get 13 miles per gallon around town. With the fuel tank that it's got, that gives a 228 mile range. The VW Touareg W12 is even worse, 11 miles per gallon, 241 mile range. 
The Mercedes E-Class 500 gets 19 miles per gallon around town, given a range of 275 miles. Vauxhall's Insignia Sports Tourer, 16 miles per gallon around town, with a range of 256 miles. Even the Vauxhall Mocha SUV 1.6 EcoFlex with stop-start will only get 308 miles around town. Audi's S8 Quattro Tiptronic gets 18 miles per gallon with a range of 307 miles. The popular Range Rover series of SUVs can get as little as 234 miles range from a tank that's almost 19 gallons, and that is appalling. So why is a car that can do 228 miles at a fuel cost of over £100 acceptable, but an electric car that can do 300 miles, such as a Hyundai Kona, at a cost of £19.20 on an Instavolt charger, not acceptable? The answer? The narrative. You need to be able to stop at any garage and refill in five minutes. The narrative should be, any mode of transport can run out of energy. The infrastructure should be there to ensure this doesn't happen unless you make it happen. Let's look at battery size. How many times have we heard, I'll never buy an EV until it can do 500 miles like my diesel VW? Well again, this is the fossil fuel narrative. They want you running a car with a large tank because if they can persuade you to spend over £100 on fuel to fill up, you'll also go in and you'll buy stuff from the shop and you'll need to get oil or brake fluid as well. It's, it's all in the fossil fuel business model. In reality, very few people, unless they are edge cases, need to cover more than 80 miles in a single leg of a journey. The average in the UK is about nine miles per trip. And that's comfortably within the range of every single EV on the market. If the narrative was, I'll never buy an EV until it can comfortably cover 90% of my daily needs while still allowing me to be comfortable I have charge left, there will be far fewer issues. So let's move on to the third one of these trifectas, refueling time. I often hear, I want to be able to get filled up and on my way in five minutes. Sitting at a charger for hours waiting for the charge doesn't work for me. Well, of course it doesn't. It doesn't work for many people, EV drivers included, which is why we don't generally do it. We include charging as part of something else that we're doing. If we're shopping or at the cinema or at work or just walking around town, we use the parking time that all cars have to refill. I spent about five hours last Sunday at the Yorkshire EV Group meet in Sheffield at the Meadow Hall, where we had about 37 kilowatt chargers. EV drivers dropped into those, did their shopping, and when they were finished, they topped their cars up without having to do anything. Remember, most cars spend 90% of their time stationary. You're either at work and they're in the car park outside your office, or you've left them at the station while you commute in, or they're in the driveway, or on the road outside your house, or you've gone shopping, or to the cinema, or theatre, or Chessington World of Adventures, or to watch Manchester City play at the Etihad, or you're having a meal at a local pub, and all the while the car is sitting outside doing nothing. This is when you fill them. Even when you're on a long journey, you stop to have a break, visit the toilet, grab some food. 15 or 20 minutes. With the newer fast chargers, this is the ideal time to charge the car. The latest Model 3 performance models can suck up 200 kilometers of range in seven minutes, or to put it another way, enough to drive from London to Bristol in the time it takes you to grab a coffee and have a pee. The narrative should be, I will ensure the opportunity to charge the car is available whenever I'm not driving. I know the majority of ICE drivers in the world look at EVs and trying to fit their ICE model into the EV model, but it just isn't going to work. 
What we as EV drivers need to be doing is to identify where this narrative can be changed and try to change it ourselves. Hopefully a couple of the items I've mentioned in this episode will help you to do just that when somebody corners you and tells you they're never going to get rid of their fossil fuel guzzling V8. It's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with you listeners. I awoke recently to find my social media stream showing a large number of tweets related to the EV adverts that have been broadcast during the Super Bowl. There were three mainstream ones, GMC's Hummer, the Audi e-tron Let It Go commercial, and the Porsche Taycan one with the fossil fuel cars chasing the Taycan after it was stolen from a museum or display area. There were also apparently two other commercials, the Mustang Mach-E and a separate Audi one, which were only shown in select US markets. I'll put as many links as I can in the show notes to these. They're all pretty cool, exactly what you would expect from manufacturers wishing to push their cars. Flashy, high budget, good production values. But I couldn't help but feel that they were all missing the point a little. The EV side of things was played down pretty much totally. In fact, I heard anecdotal stories of people having watched them and come away not actually realising they were adverts for electric cars. Bearing in mind what we said about the narrative in this episode, I think it's important for manufacturers to start moving away from the fossil fuel model and ensuring buyers understand they're moving into a different way of thinking. What do you listeners think? And that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact us, I'm the Real Gary C on Twitter, or you can use the EV Musings Twitter account, Musings EV. If you're wanting a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Gone Electric. It's available on Amazon worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. Links for everything I've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review as it helps raise our visibility and extend the reach in search engines. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.